feel like I haven't done this in a while with guests. Um, hey, everyone. Welcome to Conversation Piece with Patrick Armstrong. This is the show where I talk to my friends and interesting people about whatever they have going on in their lives, whatever is on their minds right now. And this episode, episode six, is a high on the interesting people, but even higher on the friends. Uh, and I will explain what I mean in just a second. But this week I am joined by not one, not two, not three, but five guests this week because it is a reunion show. It is a reunion show of the hashtag Give Us the Keys crew. Um, we're going to have to dive into what that means because it is really important to our story, our origin story, I think. So without further ado, I want to welcome my guests, Jess Morey, Katie Gagel, Michaela Gesford, Charlotte Carbone, and Ailey Steele. Welcome to the show. How are y'all doing? Good. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Great. I don't know how to do with all with many guests. So everyone talk at the same time. Woohoo! <laughs> okay. Great. Okay. Perfect. Um, well, I said it right before we got on, but I really appreciate y'all making time. I know we all are coming in from different areas of the globe, even not even different areas of the United States, um, and different time zones, different things going on in our lives. So we're gonna have a really great conversation. But to make sure everybody out there listening knows who I am chatting with, I'm gonna have everyone go around and just quickly introduce themselves. Um, starting with Jess. Jess, let them know your name oh and kind of where you're calling in from. Me first. Um, okay. Uh, Jess Morey, and I'm from Toronto, uh, same with Charlotte. And I forget what else <laughs> you asked. I think that was it. Yeah. I didn't have an extra question, just okay, name and place. I nailed it. So you nailed it. And you also <laughs> will just lead us right to Charlotte. Charlotte, what's up? Perfect. Um, my name is Charlotte. <laughs> And I do indeed live in Toronto, Canada, but not with Jess. Like, it's a pretty big city. So in I feel Toronto, like I doxed you, Charlotte. I'm like, yeah. Charlotte lives in Toronto. <laughs> Jess <laughs> coming straight out with the doxing immediately. Even she was trying to get out, Charlotte canceled. <laughs> even if you gave out my postal code, I think I'd still be pretty protected. So we're all good. We are in Toronto. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us from Toronto. Uh, next up, we'll go to Ailey. Ailey, thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm Ailey. I'm from Glasgow, Scotland. Um, so yeah, across the pond, like definitely not <laughs> close to anybody else. Um, but yeah. What's the time difference? What time is it where, it's where you're at? It's quarter past 10 here at night. So. Quarter past 10. Well, I really appreciate you making that time. We had to coordinate our schedules. We've been trying to get this, even a catch-up call on the books for a little bit. So glad that we were able to make it happen. Um, next up, Michaela. Michaela, welcome. Hi, I'm Michaela, and I'm in Boston, Massachusetts right now. Yes. Finally got to meet Michaela in person for the first time after many years. Uh I guess it was first time last year, uh, late last year, but then again, earlier this year. So mm -hmm. um, excited to make it back out to Boston. And last but not least, somebody who all of my guests already know, or all of my guests, all of my, all my guests and all of my listeners already know, Katie, say what's up to the people, Katie. Hello, I'm Katie Gagel, <laughs> and I am from Louisville, Kentucky, and that is where I reside. Oh, thank you for that. Um, Nailed it. Katie Katie nailed it, and she just started her own podcast, so I don't know if you could tell by her excellent podcast intro, but um, that is Adopting Wellness with friend Laura Summers, um, previous guest of the show as well. That's going great, I think. Katie, how's the podcast going? Thanks, thanks. Uh, I mean, I think it's great. I don't know what anyone else thinks, um, but going going great as, a, as someone that just talks on the podcast. <laughs> Okay, what kind of feedback have you gotten from other people, not yourself? Yeah, read a review. Um, read us one review. I don't even have a review. Um, uh, uh -oh. someone, okay, so Laura sent me a, a screenshot that someone said that they really loved Laura and I's uh, friendship. Oh. I thought that was sweet. Oh. That is sweet. I know. But that's really not a review of the podcast. So, you know, if you've listened, perhaps you could review. More of a review of your friendship. And they enjoyed it. I'd yes. say that's an A plus on friendship. Um, Thank you. Kind of like our friendship. 
Um, and I feel like that's a perfect segue into what we're going to be talking about today. So the reason I'm having all of these wonderful people on the show is because we're coming up on, I would say, what would technically be the second anniversary. We've probably just passed the second anniversary of the Asian Adoptee Club on Clubhouse. Now, for those of you who don't know, Clubhouse was an extremely popular social media app um, like one and a half years ago. And it was an app where you just, you put up a picture of yourself and then you just talked and you could have, you would have a stage and there would be rooms and you would have speakers and you would have audience and you can invite people up. You could kick people out. I don't really know what else you were supposed to do. They, I think by the time that we all stopped using it, there was reaction uh, emojis and text messaging that you could do back and forth in the background. It was a lot and I think it overwhelmed me. So I stepped away, but I think we'll get to that in a second. Um, what I wanted to start with was why and how kind of all of this came together. So for me, the first person that I really connected with on a personal level was Michaela. I had followed Katie's page, Katie the Cad, um, the the legendary, the iconic Katie the Cad <laughs> Instagram handle. Uh, that's a callback. That's a callback. Oh <laughs> that's my an earlier God. episode. Um, but I didn't know her personally and just happened by happenstance. I connected with Michaela doing an interview and instead of doing the interview, we kind of just had a conversation on like what it meant to be adopted um, as Asian American people. And from there we just connected and started to do a bunch of stuff. So we started something called the adoptee project where we were exploring our own histories uh, and our own individual identities through the lenses of our countries our countries of origins relationship with adoption and we were doing a lot of cool stuff together and then clubhouse came around and so Michaela, i want to ask you do you remember kind of those first instances of getting on clubhouse and what your takeaway was or what your reaction was to kind of the spaces we found ourselves in yeah and i don't even remember how i found out about clubhouse it was just <laughs> <laughs> like it was the height of the pandemic. We were all, I think, so stir crazy from being in our apartments or inside of wherever we live all the time. And I had, through this other group called Asian Hustle Network, started to get connected to other, I think, somewhat more influential Asians in the social media space. And that's how I found out about Clubhouse. That's how I met you, Patrick. And then Clubhouse used to be invite only. so. We somehow managed to get ourselves on there. And I think... Good point. I forgot about that. <laughs> from Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. I felt like everyone was trying to be there because there were celebrities on there. There were famous people. There was just... It seemed like some really big influential names that you could somewhat have this very easy access to. And so we thought it was really important to also put ourselves there. And I just remember the first few times I went on and I went to support other friends who were maybe talking about things or hosting rooms that were predominantly Asian led. It just still felt like there was a lack of representation of the Asian adoptee experience. There were a lot of AAPI spaces that were talking about current events and people were sharing their histories and their stories, but it all still, still seemed to be about having first generation immigrant parents or having like tiger parents and growing up still in between worlds, but still very much not as an adoptee. And so I think we just really felt like sometimes we needed our own space to talk about that because it is still unique in many ways, even though there are a lot of commonalities, I think that we can share with other AAPI groups and just other people in general. But that. I think from my perspective and what I remember is kind of how we got started on the idea of, well, let's make our own rooms that are adoptee focused, um, where we can talk about adoptee specific related things also within the context of the broader, you know, social happenings of the world. I think that you summed it up perfectly because I feel like I used to hearing myself tell people how the clubhouse stuff started, but not like have heard a lot of people say how kind of we got started in that space. And it really was us going into Asian American rooms 
And like for me, it was like I would get up on stage and share and then just nobody would respond. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then somebody else would get up and do it and everyone would be like, yes, totally. I get it. And like ask questions. I was like, okay, I feel really out of place here. But somebody yeah. who did respond to me, and I think this is the first time we ever had an interaction, uh, one of the first few people to respond was Katie. And I feel like I don't remember exactly what room or whatever it was, but I feel like I saw you get up and speak kind of on your own experience. And that's when I kind of connected the dots of you being who you were from Instagram and um, wanting to talk about stuff. And I feel like through that connection, that was how you, Michaela, and I kind of got talking about wanting to create our own space. So to kind of bridge off of what, Michaela, the foundation that she laid out. Um, do you remember? Do you remember? Do you recall any of like the plotting or anything that we kind of discussed about what those first rooms should look like? Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't. <laughs> this is terrible. Um. I think one of the big things that, that, you know, what Michaela was talking about when we were envisioning, I think what the rooms should look like. Um, we talked a lot about safety. I remember it was, it's so, it was so difficult because you had so many people coming in and out of your room. And uh, so I remember talking about safety and just wanting it to be a place where adoptees can literally come and just talk about your own experiences. And I think what was really beautiful about it was that I had never heard so many people's voices. I've just seen their picture on an Instagram mm -hmm. or Facebook. And, and it was so much better to just have a free flowing conversation with someone about the adoptee experience and and I think what was really special, too, was that there were a lot of adoptees that came into that space that had never shared their story mm. before, or they were they just kind of like popped in, they were curious about it, and they just had never thought about it before. And I think those are the people that I maintain the most relationships with, actually, are the people that just kind of popped in and it was just really unexpected and then they ended up sharing. And so I think a lot of our, a lot of our room uh, rooms that we planned out had that in mind. How do mm. we protect those adoptees that are coming in for the first time and, um, and really being able to provide a space for, for people to just share what they want to share. Yeah, I remember definitely using the word safety, probably overusing it, if I'm being honest, but we were like really hyper intentional about like, we want everybody to feel like they can share if they want to, but they don't have to, you know, we're like, as many caveats as we could possibly find to get people to feel like, oh, this is a space where I can come and it's okay. Because even like we were talking about, even in those other rooms, it didn't necessarily feel unsafe, like in the like I felt like I was in danger, but it felt unsafe in that I couldn't share openly because there was nobody here who understood what I was trying to say. And by that, I guess I, I would define it kind of as unsafe, just in that way, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, but you're right. And, you know, I, I think we tried to lay that out. And those first few rooms I thought were very, very interesting because we not only saw how that played out, but we were making like shifts in real time because we had folks like Jess and Ailey join us. I think you both were in, if not the very first room, you were in that second room because I remember the second room specifically went like five hours, I think. And in like hour three, I believe Jess shared, I think pretty openly about some of your experience. And I was just really appreciative of that. And so I wanted to pitch to both of you um, I guess, Jess, I'll start with you because I just put you on the spot like that. Um, do you remember, like, do you remember how you became aware of, like, the rooms that were happening? And then do you remember kind of your feelings about kind of that first internet or those first initial reactions um, of of engagement? I feel like there must have been something in the algorithm 
or like I truly like Katie either we have like Dory syndrome but like (laughs) I don't remember at all how I met any of you (laughs) I'm here for that I'm cool with that She's for the listener. She's thrown her headphones down in disgust. I I literally have no recollection of how I even came upon an adoptee room. All I remember is I definitely, you know, like when you get on Clubhouse, you just see what's on the homepage. So I think I definitely wandered into some type of Asian group. And honestly, Clubhouse was the first time that I had actually heard acronyms like AAPI thrown out so often. Mm. You know, I was kind of like, what is this? And I think it's used more in, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Charlotte, but I just feel like it felt like people elsewhere outside of Canada were using it way more liberally. Like, for me, I I didn't hear that. Yeah, I agree. I think the hyphenated Asian American is just more common. And so it Mm -hmm. feels not as applicable when it reaches Canada because Mm. we're not American. So it's like AC, but it doesn't roll off the tongue because not enough people say blank Canadian so I agree it's it's less common yeah so I think I was just trailing in there just to see what people were discussing and then luckily I mean I'm so happy I did find you guys but I don't remember why or how (laughs) (laughs) well I appreciate that I appreciate your honesty and I like the definition or like categorizing it as dory syndrome because it just feels like we're really upsetting Patrick because this whole thing was really about (laughs) how we found each other (laughs) no that's a bird i love that i think that's a great answer i mean that seems like literally um a world like a decades ago that time on clubhouse yeah and it feels like so long ago and it it, i mean i don't remember every single thing that we talked about i can remember specific things that happened but like yeah it's i i do understand i'm asking it's a lot to try and think about like how did that even happen what were the circumstances that led me to this point you know, so I appreciate you sharing just even that because I, you're like, because. No, I was going to say, I think it's like, a you know, it's credit to Clubhouse that we did find each other because that app, you could be so niche, you know, mm, so then yeah. um, a lot of the things that you're looking for. I mean, you could have a room that's about a movie or you can have a room that's about a very specific moment in time. So I think it was my first time ever connecting with other adoptees. It was the first time I had ever had a conversation about being adopted with other adoptees. So even though clubhouse is dead in my head, (laughs) it will forever, (laughs) it will forever live on because of meeting you all. Well, this is certainly not an ad for Clubhouse. Hey, Clubhouse, don't sponsor this Okay, delete this Um, whole segment. Leaving this in. No, you're edited all the way in. Um, And, but no, I I appreciate you sharing that because it it, it was for a lot of us, I think, those first times really having those types of conversations with a group of adoptees. Um, because you know, it was the middle of pandemic. I wasn't going out and meeting people in person, but it was, you know, I, I do feel like for a lot of us, it was that kind of initial point of sharing in a group like this in a way that I feel like none of us had done before or hadn't really done in a while. Um, so turning to you, Ailey, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure if you weren't in that first room, you were at least in that second room. Do you remember like how you got, how you came across yeah, I Those actually, rooms? I think I was in the first room because I, I was actually doing, or like I used Clubhouse for like maybe like a little bit of a different reason. Um, I was using it for work at the time. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think it was the Asian Hustle Network was like the first, like, and I'd also been in a couple of um, Asian coaching rooms. So I think I like, I don't think my Asian identity had ever had the workout that it did at the beginning of Clubhouse. (laughs) 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 So yeah, I definitely had made some connections like in, um, in those rooms and uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I was in the, in the first one or maybe it was the second, but I think it was the first. So do you remember like what you what you came away that first room thinking like after we had all connected or had that first conversation? 
I think it's interesting like thinking at the time and like thinking back now because at the time I remember just feeling really great about like what we'd done like what we'd created um and it's actually it's interesting like in this past year I've taken a course on being trauma-informed and literally like how to create safe spaces and both like a coaching and like psychological like safe space kind of way and there's so many things that we did that I don't think we even realize that we did um Mm. that really you know we did such a great job if I if I do say so myself like (laughs) I'm glad you said that because I was really worried you're gonna be like we did a really bad job (laughs) no we we smashed it like we did so well um and you know I think so much of that like comes from the fact that I feel like we all cared so much like I feel like we really did care about what we were doing and like making the experience for whoever came into that room as like to really make them feel as seen heard and understood as possible and meet them where they were at and I think that level of care you know even you know even if you don't get things perfect you know from a psychological perspective you know when somebody can feel how much like all of us were like putting into that room how much we did care about each and every person and the stories and like trying to be as sensitive as we possibly could to whatever people brought I think yeah I think we did a an amazing job with that and yeah Props to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> I am accepting all of those flowers for us because that was I was not coming in here to be like, yeah, we did a great job or thinking, I don't even know. I couldn't even know what we did. It was just like a thing that happened. But to hear that and to know that you're like to like after having gone through that experience at Clubhouse, like you added that, whether that was already on your path towards what you were doing or not, like adding the trauma informed piece. I think that's amazing. Um, because it was like, you know, those conversations, those initial ones, especially were so deep, so baked in layers of different, everyone's different trauma. And, you know, we talk about like trauma bonding, like being bad sometimes. And I feel like those was one of the instances that it was really great for some reason, because I feel like we were all there to kind of catch each other. And as we were, as people were kind of pouring their souls out, um, for at least for me for one of the first times in that type of setting um and yeah that makes it that makes me really happy to think that we were we were you know unconsciously building in those safeguards for the people for the community that we were trying to reach and for uh because of the space that we were creating and you know while we were doing that after those first few rooms we were talking about formalizing we were talking about we should try and maybe make a club to make it easier to do. And um, our group expanded a little bit. And as it was growing, a person by the name of Charlotte joined us. Um, I remember she came into one of the rooms. I remember she joined us up on stage for a little bit. I remember immediately after that, she was like, hey, do you guys need any help with moderating? Also, have you thought about making a club? Also, I'm a designer and I could create this <laughs> for you if we wanted to make an Instagram. So that way we can show like people when and where the meetings are going to be at. And I was just like, okay. I was like, I wasn't thinking about doing any of this stuff. Um, But she came in like a wrecking ball, not to to quote Miley Cyrus, and in the best possible way. Like, honestly took everything that we were doing and formalized it to a point that really did allow for us to be consistent, but also reach a wider group of people who, by that point, I think it was becoming non-invite only. I think people could start to join on their own. I think Android was right around the corner as well. Um, when Charlotte joined, I could be wrong, Charlotte going to you. Do you, how did you find out about these rooms? And obviously you came in with a fire. Like what, what was, what was that initial takeaway for you? What, what, what were you thinking when you first found those spaces? I think like people have already shared the algorithm really went through my (laughs) big data And it hooked me up because I had initially joined not at all seeking adoptee group support, um, but that's exactly what found me was one of the rooms that was casually hosted on the the Sunday. And it was about going home to our home countries or birth countries. And I remember that Mm. in the first room. And I thought there are thousands and thousands of people that share this experience, yet this is the first time I'm actually hearing their voices. How wild is that? And that first room was absolutely like liberating. Like it was such a profound level of connection I never thought was possible that I was absolutely like speechless. And like you mentioned, like I'm a big keener. Like I have hyper-focus when I (laughs) 
I'm really interested in something and I do not stop. And it was that moment of like, oh, don't come on too strong. Act cool. But then again, I was like, every, <laughs> everyone's, everyone's so interested in this. Like, why, why be shy now? Like you have direct stake in this as well. So go for it. And that's when I thought, you know, like, I think this is a push for me to actually um, really acknowledge this part of me that is not always the the most healed and pretty and packaged and resolved. And I think I can do it if I have community. And so I think that was like a big leap of faith for myself to really get to know a relative group of strangers at the time with such like intimate details of my life. But like I trusted the through line of this really niche experience to hold us together and hold us accountable. Um, so it just motivated me to come back every single week, whether I had something to share or not, just because I had so much comfort in knowing there are other people that are in solidarity with me and my experience right now. I freaking love it. And like you were honestly, I don't know how all, all of you feel, but I feel like you were, you were the, you came in at the right moment because I feel like we were, we had hit this point of where we were reaching. Like there were 30, 40 people in our rooms at, at whenever the weekly one. And mm -hmm. it was becoming very difficult for us like to really figure out how we were going to do like bringing people up on the stage. Cause we were all going to be there as mods all the time. And there was already making, putting five or six people up there. And I feel like you helped like formalize and, and build a structure to how we kind of did that and kept us, like you said, accountable to creating that space. Like what we were doing to create safety, like Ailey talked about, you know, those subconscious things that help you kind of, I felt like you helped us do that, which in turn helped us grow. Do you remember, um, or what were you, what, what was, what was your idea of like what growth could look like for that type of community? Was it just because it was so new? It was just like, this is anything goes, or did you have ideas? Like kind of once you hit that, had that first meeting, like, here's what we should do. And like, I'm just going to say we should do it. And then we did it. I think this is really nerdy of me. I still have these spreadsheets where I used to track attendance over a course of time <laughs> from the sessions to see like when people jumped in, jumped out, our viewership. Oh, okay. um, Did you DM people like <laughs> you missed a couple sessions? <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. So somewhere I have this great live data because um, as like a qualitative researcher, um, it's really important to like record your history no matter how innocuous it may seem at the time or insignificant um, and so for me growth was continuing to document what we're doing because I don't know where this could go maybe this data becomes some important piece of the puzzle as we move forward and we seek different opportunities as we go on individual routes and we want to quantify or we want to really have proof of our existence on the record because unfortunately our stories have already been dismissed and diminished for so long I thought this is our time to put our narrative in our words in any form possible and kind of give it that stamp. Um, so even though it's not by any means in like a lot of institutes accepted standards of what qualifies data or documentation, that doesn't matter. Um, the fact that like we're preserving our histories for ourselves was super magical for me to consider. And it also gave me such a great way to process the work we are doing and really consider what keeps coming up for people every single week, whether it's the same people or different people? And how we, can we continue to shape these rooms to let those newbies feel that they're having accessible conversations, but also the people who have been here for months and months and months are still finding different parts of themselves. Like, how do you find that balance for people coming from different ends of the spectrum on the adoptee journey, which is, you know, loop-de-loop-de-loop. -loop -loop. So that was mindset. my mindset when it came to growth was, I know where we've been, but I don't know where we're going. Well, it sounds like you have all the tools that we need to re-enter Clubhouse and do it <laughs> even better the next time. When, <laughs> when they sponsor this um, episode. I know, we've, I know we disparaged them earlier, but you know, bringing it back, we, took, we have data. We have data to back this up. That's amazing. I did, I did not know you were doing that. For a while, I was taking notes, and it became so difficult to take notes of every person talking and try to be able to reference everything back. I was like, I'm done with this. I'm just going to try to do my best to remember. So that is incredible that you were able to keep all of that data. You still have all of that? I got to search in the Google Sheets because that search function doesn't always work. But I remember times of like, you know, creating my little bar graphs and line graphs of like peak rooms. We could be like 
50 to 60 people. I remember those days and thinking, oh my God, I have no idea if you're bots, but <laughs> I'm happy you're here. That <laughs> it is crazy wild. sometimes. Like it did every- absolutely get so crazy. Go ahead. Because I don't know how you guys feel, but a lot of the people, you know, like ourselves, we expressed it was our first time really diving into so much of our story or issues with other adoptees. So a lot of people are coming in for the first time, like scoping it out and then feeling around if it's a safe space and then they want to share. But then we have a separate flow of repeat customers, shall I say? (laughs) Repeat members that would, you know, like want to, now that they've scratched the itch, they really want to connect more and share more of their stories and more things are coming up after the initial conversation. So it was just a balancing act of, you know, trying to be respectful of all the different types of shares, but also giving people that platform who haven't spoke yet or who've maybe been in the room for five, six times. And then you see the hand raise and you're like, oh my God, this is it. Like, we got to <laughs> give them the space. You know, because you see them in the room, but, you know, they're obviously, they're not ready to share yet. So I found it it was always a juggle, especially when it got to, like you were saying, 50, 60, or like the hottest club on Clubhouse trying to (laughs) bounce. (laughs) (laughs) We were popping. We were, we were popping popular. We were, we were hot uh, for a while. Um, Yeah. When they got so big, it really was difficult to, to juggle who, how much time you give, who you let up, you know, are you going to mute this person because they've been talking too long? I don't think we ever had to do that. But the other thing that we had to contend with, you know, that I, I thought of that, I think we, we were, was mentioned in the chat, but something that made me think of when Charlotte was talking too about creating those safe spaces again, was contending with non-adopted people who would come into the room and then want to come up on stage to share. Mm-hmm. I'll say generally, it was probably uh, for uh, with good intentions. But we had... I'll say a very fun time trying to figure out uh, people's adoptee identity, whether they were adopted or not. Michaela, do you remember (laughs) any of those kind of conversations that we used to have trying to figure out like how we would go about, I guess I would say gatekeeping the stage for adoptees only. Yeah, because we did make it very clear in our club rules that we had, and we had many of them, that the purpose of our club was for adoptee voices. And so we, we did provide that prerequisite to people. So I don't want anyone to think that we were like totally being too exclusive or anything, but we, I remember we have our group chat going, we would have our group chat going cause we would all be moderating. And then we'd be like trying to check out some person's profile, like looking them up on Instagram um, like messaging them in the background to just be like, hey, can I just confirm that you are in fact an adoptee if they didn't have it anywhere mentioned? And so <clears throat> we did a lot of work to really make sure it was a safe space for only adoptee voices. Um, and that was, it was a good time. I, I remember we had a spreadsheet too that talked about like who was going to moderate every week, what we oh, were yeah, going to we talk about that. the topics because we went very strong for at least two hours a week, every week for probably, I don't even know, four months. I'll say four to five through May. <laughs> I think we yeah. were pretty strong through that. I, I believe. So um, it was, it was a lot of work from everyone, but like good work that we all really cared about. And I think we needed it for ourselves too. A hundred percent. Anybody else have any like recollections of like those types of moments where it was like, oh, we have to check this person. I remember one time we had somebody who we did let up. I think this was one of the first times they were a mental health professional and they came up and then immediately said they weren't adopted, but then launched into this diatribe about I have I can't even remember, uh, but essentially telling us how we're supposed to feel. There's a train passing by. This is that what that sound is. Do you, do you, I don't know if you all remember that or if you have any specific stories that you remember from like that mod position that we found ourselves in. <laughs> One instance instantly comes to mind. I think we were all there. There was a participant who was an adoptee who came on stairs on stage, but shared some quite problematic views. Mm-hmm. And in the back chat on our phone, we're texting, who's going to call this guy out? What are we going to do? <laughs> and he's, oh, as they're talking, talking, talking on, we're all sitting there like, 
SMH emoji, trying to think, how do we de-escalate this, but not dismiss this person as well? Because wrapped in those problematic views were a very real experience, Mm -hmm. but also super problematic. And it had to be checked. Like it was not cool to let this sentiment hang in the air in front of this big audience we garnered. So I remember that moment and I I was like gooped and gagged, gooped and gagged. I think it was a big room too. (laughs) I think it was a big room. I remember that. I do remember that. Not good. I mean, we usually yeah. handled them, um, handled situations like that pretty well, though, I would say. Before we move to my my next topic, Ailey, I want to turn to you real quick, um, especially on the topic of, of growth and the fact that you were utilizing Clubhouse for your own business and your own work. Um, I really, I attended some of the, the rooms that you hosted about kind of growing yourself as a, as an entrepreneur, as somebody who leans into their own business, believes in themselves to be able to do this work. And, you know, honestly, I've, I still utilize some of those things that you, you all talked about in those rooms. Um, was there anything that you took away from the rooms that we did into those other spaces? Like, obviously you talked about, you know, Lee or taking on the trauma informed training, you know, post clubhouse and stuff. Were there any things that you took from what we were doing in the adoptee space to the other places on clubhouse that you were at? I think the biggest thing and like this even came up in in the course that I just did is um, so much, you know, like there's so many different healing methodologies out there for like so many different aspects of life. Right. But there's few things that can heal like, feeling seen heard and understood for anything you know I don't care if it's you know physical symptoms or mental symptoms whatever or, and symptom can seem like a strong word but all I mean when I say that is when somebody recognizes and has an awareness that you know something's not quite right like there's a sense of you know disease in their life in some way feeling seen heard and understood can really start somebody's healing journey in such a big way and I think that is you know something that we were doing and something that is so important no matter if you know because some people might just have been in our clubhouse rooms just to you know see what it was like but I truly believe that a lot of people that came to our rooms that like left will have felt better like leaving than they did when they came in and to me that Mm. is taking that step towards feeling good feeling better or like even just gaining an awareness because so much of any sort of healing or well-being which is you know probably like the number one thing in my business right now is like looking after people's well-being that awareness piece even just learning something new that can be really the catalyst for so much change after that and I think that is something that really was cemented during our rooms and that I took with me you know into other clubhouse rooms even into my business into my coaching is that yeah awareness and like meeting people where they're at really does get to be enough like that is so important I think so often there's so many people that don't get that moment that don't get that for something that they really need that support with and like it doesn't just have to be like obviously our topic here was so important to so many of the people that came but I think it actually went beyond what our topic was. Like it went on to like people's experiences, like lived experiences, like every day of even things like that. A lot of people can relate to like feeling different, you know, feeling othered, feeling like they don't fit in, even in a something else that you say a lot, Patrick, that I'd never really thought too much about was, you know, this idea of um, like groups being a monolith, you know, that if you take any one word for your identity, I think it can be, like okay everybody in this group is the same way and I think even just that as well that was something else that I really took from our rooms was that you can put a whole bunch of names and labels and identities and put it on somebody but that doesn't actually mean that you know anything about their experience I think that's another thing that I really took with me both in my work in clubhouse like other rooms in clubhouse so yeah there was there was so much that I took from from these rooms for sure I appreciate you sharing that. And I think I appreciate you, especially naming it as a space of healing, because I think I, I think about it like that a lot. And I thought about it like that then, but I think sometimes we don't call it healing because it does feel like we're just in community. I think it's easy to just say it's community and we're, we're together. Um, and, but not necessarily say like, this is like putting ourselves back together. Um, and I think that's a good segue into the next topic here that I wanted to talk about and where I feel like 
where I felt like the most proud of what we did was in establishing the club. And that was its existence. The very fact that it existed as a space for Asian adoptees after uh, the spa shootings in Atlanta in March of 2021. So we had not existed very long. Had Charlotte not come along and formalized us, we would not have had this formal space for people or probably not. You know, we would have still been just putting a room together. We wouldn't have had an Instagram to like kind of rally people to give people or let people know that they have this space. And, you know, just sent us, sent me and I think a lot of us down these paths that we're on right now. Um, You know, I talked about for me, I don't know how all of it was for you, but like that was kind of the beginning of the end for Clubhouse. Um, For me, at least my my, being as frequent um, and as engaged there as I had been for, you know, those six months that we were really, really doing it. Um, But walking away from that again, very, very proud of what we did. Very proud of the thing that we built. Um, and even more proud though, of this friendship that kind of coalesced out of all of the circumstance and trauma, but also like random triumphs that were happening, like all of these different things that were happening, you know, we came out of it. And at the beginning I said, we were the hashtag, give us the keys crew. I had to bring the name back. And the reason that we were, I don't remember exactly why it was that, um, who came up with the hashtag. I feel like that's like like a Jess thing. I feel like that I could hear her saying that right now. Um, and having been the one that created it, but essentially we are give us the keys because we started this group. And the reason that we did all of this was to take back the stage, take back the microphone so that we could share our stories because we were in clubhouse. As you heard us talk about at the beginning, there was, there were spaces for Asians, but there weren't spaces for Asian adoptees. And at the end of the day, We've been welcome while we might have been welcomed into those spaces more now. At the time, it felt like we needed our own spot to be able to have these conversations, to be able to bond with each other, build community, and share stories in a safe environment with people who aren't going to lead with prejudice or at least meet us or try to not meet us where they're at and force us to come to a different spot. Um, and I think that you know, that has stood the test of time. Even if we don't talk all the time via our group text, even if we go <laughs> many months in between messages or FaceTime calls or whatever the case is, I feel like we've always been able to kind of just come back and support each other. And I feel like we're all supporting each other individually. I literally see, uh, I'm going to call out Charlotte immediately because it's right off the top of my head. I just saw all of your, your recent posts of everything that you've been doing. So I'm Absolutely amazing stuff. Jess, you're constantly doing amazing things. Ailey, you're just talking about your business and how you've been building that and continuing to grow that. Amazing. Katie, I've seen you start a new job, start this new podcast. Amazing. Michaela, see you go to all of these different festivals, do all of this, diff- all of these different things um, to be in community, build community, and then come visit me when I, or take the time to see me, show me around Boston um, when I find myself lucky enough to be out that way. And so, you know, I'm really proud of of the fact that we've remained friends and that y'all would be willing to carve out an hour of your time to join me on this show to talk a little bit to reminisce about uh, our time coming together. And so to kind of wrap it up here, because Michaela, I know you got you got a little bit of a time crunch. Um, I just want I just want to ask each of you to share a little bit about kind of the impact that you feel the group or this group specifically has had on yourself and where you're going now like what what's what's on the horizon for you and Michaela I'll start with you yeah gosh so I guess I'll start by saying like my first conversation with you Patrick way back when was the first time I'd even heard the word adoptee I didn't know I could claim an identity for myself as opposed to being the person that is adopted um And so through you and then subsequently through the community um, and really the spaces that we formed on Clubhouse, it was so healing for me. I, it was my first time as well as many others really having adult friends who were also adoptees who I could talk to and know that I wasn't going to be judged or know that I wasn't going to have to explain my experience in a way for people who couldn't understand to try to understand. And so I think what it really did for me was it 
allowed me to heal from a lot of trauma that I had denied essentially for the first 28 years of my life. And I really can't explain how important that is. You know, we talked a lot about adoptee kind of language also. There's this term coming out of the fog. And it was really through this through this group of friends and through that community that I was able to navigate the fog and go through the fog and even realize it was there and really um, not even come out the other side because I feel like it could be a lifelong journey, but just finally start to see some clarity and who I am, feel more secure in my identity, where I want to go and be really proud of it as well. So for me, you know, I think I also had stepped away from Clubhouse. I've stepped away from being as active on Instagram. I've stepped away from uh, being as active in advocacy, kind of a lot of things, because really my focus lately has just been on me and making sure that I continue to do the healing that I really need to do in order to then be able to show up as fully as I want to for other people. So I think that's kind of where I'm at this year and where I want to keep going. Um, And I just appreciate that, you know, in the back of my mind, I know that I always have this group of friends and this support network that I can lean on if I ever need to, because we're all here for each other. Love it. Appreciate you. And thank you so much for sharing. Uh, Jess, how about you? Jess, you're muted. Sorry. <laughs> we had a, we had, I couldn't flash the mute button. Wasn't that the, yeah, that, for... was, that was the key. <laughs> Damn it. We need to get back on there. Um, the most healing part of clubhouse for me was sort of echoing what Michaela said, where, I feel like for my whole life, I had closed sort of that trap door about adoption because anytime I went to bring it up or if people knew about it, it was very, you know, like two-dimensional in terms of, oh, you're adopted. Did you find your birth parents? Do you want to find your birth parents? Oh, no. Okay, good for you. Like chosen family. And so that was sort of like the arc of talking about adoption with anyone outside the adoptee community. It's either, did you find your parents or did you not happy, sad, great. (laughs) And so (laughs) when I spoke to you guys for the first time, it almost gave me that reassurance that our experience is so layered. There is trauma there. It's okay to navigate, you know, different ways that it is an experience that's hard and multidimensional it's not just a you know oh if you didn't find your birth parents then you must be not whole yet or if you did find your birth parents then the chapter's closed and everything must be great you know so I think there were so many layers that you guys definitely helped to unpack and like Michaela said it's probably a lifelong thing I'm still like trying to navigate how I you know um speak about adoption in my own story like it doesn't necessarily converge seamlessly with my career and like what I do so it's hard to just wedge that in there sometimes in a way that feels naturally to me so you're not just shoving that in people in, in yeah. everything that you do <laughs> so <laughs> I'm a designer a designer and also I'm adopted you're yeah. not telling your clients this as soon as you meet them Jess <laughs> I love this dress for you because I'm adopted uh- <laughs> Um, yeah, so I just credit you guys. And also, as much as I've devalued Clubhouse on this podcast, um, (laughs) it really was instrumental in a lot of the growth that happened for me. So yeah, you guys are the best. You're the best. And they're gonna put us all on the next icon. (laughs) We're gonna be the next icon. All of us. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> you heard it here first clubhouse um please put us on as the icon uh thank you so much for sharing that jess uh Ailey, how about yourself i think um you know just going back to what i said earlier about what you mentioned about you know the whole like monolithic aspect of um being an adoptee it can seem very much like there's a narrative whether it's you know in the press or what people have heard about adoption and I think um, 
you know, just being in this space, it just showed me the the vibrancy and the difference in each of our experiences while even being in a different, like living in a different continent from you all right now, like having this amazing connection and like deeper understanding and feeling seen, heard and understood in a way that even, you know, people that have grown up with like a lot of the similar things on paper that I didn't have with them. So really just understanding that people can want to other and make you different, but that same exact thing can be so connective to the right people for you, for the right people that are ready to cheer you on, ready to celebrate each one of your wins. And I, I think about that for all of you, like every time I see any of you, you know, pop up on Instagram or like doing something cool, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm so happy, you know, that, you know, whatever is going on in your life at that moment. And it's like, there is that moment of connection. Like, again, seeing somebody that you can connect with so deeply and be like, look, if they can do it, like I can do it too. If they can, you know, celebrate themselves in this way or move through this part of themselves, um, then, you know, I can do that too. And I've got that blueprint, which I think so so many of us have been missing for, for our lives. is like really seeing you know, somebody do something outside of what we're, what's, what's expected for any of us and that we can all be successful in our own way and overcome things that people don't expect. And, you know, whenever we pave something new, we're actually paving it for somebody that's looking. And I, I think that's something that's so important as well. Um, so, yeah, so much celebration in what I, what I think we've done and, you know, in the connections that we still have today. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. I am grateful as well, grateful for your friendship. And yes, the celebrations. I love the celebrations. Um, Want to continue to celebrate. Katie, how about you? Pay attention. <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> You're a podcaster now. Come on. Calm down. <sighs> I forgot the question. Uh, how is our... <laughs> I keep now I've forgotten how to speak. <laughs> how has our friendship or this group uh, impacted you and what's on the horizon? Oh, yeah. Well, um, I actually don't think that I've processed, I had ever processed that Clubhouse was during the time that I separated in my marriage. And I think about those times because, like, so fondly, because because it was such a refuge for me to have something to do in the midst of the chaos that went on in my home. And I think it, it this group is just so special. Um, and I think what I'm most proud of too about it is that we made something that could be easily replicated. You know, we we had a, a full-on new group of uh, moderators that took took it on <laughs> even longer than we did. That's a good point. And, um, and I love that because I think that if, if anything, my, one of my goals is to, is to be able to create spaces and, and, events that can be easily replicable. Like I don't have to be the one that initiates it. I don't have to be the one that starts it. I want other adoptees to feel like they can own what, you know, the, the work that we're all doing collectively um, and move forward together. Um, so that's how I feel about you guys. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> And uh, in Clubhouse in general, um, on the horizon, I have a podcast called Adopting Wellness Podcast, and I'm on like this serious health journey, and I've never been serious about it before, and I'm just so freaking proud of myself. I am... I have never been successful in taking care of myself, um, all related to my adoption, you know? So 
I that's in my horizon is <laughs> continuing that. <laughs> Shut up. That's in your harassment. All right, perfect. <laughs> No, I hate I, you. I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I'm very proud of you as well. Uh, taking health seriously is, I think, a tough thing to do. I, it's tough for me to take it serious, I think, a lot of times. And I'm trying to buckle down on that mental health aspect as well. So proud of you. Hopefully we can continue to celebrate those wins. Uh, not hoping. We will continue to celebrate those wins. I'm going to put that out there. Manifest. Um, Charlotte, bring us home. Yes. What has this group, what has Clubhouse brought me? So much healing, the ability to release all the guilt and shame I felt about having an objectively okay upbringing where I was fed and sheltered, but there's so much more to a a healthy childhood than just having the bare necessity and really being able to push back against the narrative that I was given and always told by people in power in my life and retaking that for myself. And that was only possible because of the solidarity between us and being able to have unity and difference as well, have those two things coexist. And from that, I was able to gain such a revitalized foundation in my entire sense of self. Uh, I kid you not, um, as we have voice, like adoption shapes and involves itself in parts of our lives in ways we don't always see. And for me, it was intertwined with everything. And it was so liberating when I was able to unpack and untangle a lot of the the adoptee related things because of the sharing that we were able to create in this safer space. And from this, like one of the big things on the horizon for me is finding an adoptee competent therapist And I wouldn't have been able to do that unless I did all the work with essentially our group therapy. Um, Because one of the first thing all my consoles have told me is, wow, you're already so self-aware. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) thank you. Thank you. And it's, it's directly because of the work that was done in these groups, because we were able to hold each other during such vulnerable moments while we sat through really, really ugly things. And that also gives me a much, much more acquired taste for what I need in terms of my health care um, for mental health, because I really take no bullshit. Um, either you do have experience treating people with my lived experience or you don't. Um, there's no more, this is good enough. And so therefore, like Katie, you're saying about your own health journey right now, it has really elevated my standards for what I need to do for me. Um, just because as a chronic people pleaser, it's definitely a part of the journey to take a step back from that and realize the person I need to please most is myself because I haven't been doing that for 20 odd years. Right. Um, So that's definitely on the horizon for me is really getting deep into specifically EMDR, um, IFS types of therapy, which is really what seems to do the trick for a lot of adoptees. And one other thing is also just, it is also really improved my like artistic practices because I do so much identity focused work. And because so much of my identity was linked to the adoptee piece and had been blocked off and stuck for so long, once I was able to untwist that, suddenly I had gained such a deeper understanding of myself. And I felt so much more confident taking up space in queer spaces and Asian spaces. Um, And now like in my artist statement, I now proudly also have like queer Asian adoptee because I see that as equally vital to understanding who I am. So it is just giving me such a renewed sense of self and like pushed me through that quarter life crisis. Best type I, of crisis, I guess. Like this was the crises. <laughs> like are there positive crises? Like cathartic? I don't know what to call it. Um, I think I think there could be cathartic chaos. I don't know if it's crisis. It's, it's a chaos. So out of the chaos. chaos. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, getting me hyped up getting me hyped up about everything that we've all got going on, especially just working on ourselves. That's the thing I just took away from all of us was that we're all in one way or another focused on ourselves and focused on being the best versions or bettering ourselves in whatever ways that might we might need. And it just gets me so excited. And <clears throat> at the end of the day, I can't thank you all enough for, again, taking this hour to join me on the show to come in, share, get a little bit vulnerable about our time coming together uh, and sharing a little bit more about where y'all are going. So I am very, very excited about uh, 
I'm reading in the chat. Sorry, listeners. Um, very excited about um, everything that we all have going on. Listeners, if you want to follow along with any of my guests here, I will have information for them in the show notes. So make sure you go down and check the show notes out. Um, they all do amazing stuff. So if you're looking for anything in wildly different categories of stuff that you need done, look to them, hire them for their different things that you need and um, support the support adoptees, support adoptees, uplift for voices, amplify our community. We'll greatly appreciate it. Um, if you want to listen to me more, you can listen to this podcast. Follow me at Patrick in the world, wherever y'all want to be found. Um, again, can't thank y'all enough. Uh, I'm going to say it probably 10 more times after we close the recording, but uh, it's truly an honor to know, uh, an honor and a privilege to know all of you, to be friends, to be a part of the same community. And again, can't wait to see where we're all headed and see what y'all do next. So until two weeks from now, probably, um, I'll see you in a little bit. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. And...